there is a story about a young man who came to Socrates asking him for knowledge. And he walked up to the philosopher and he said, O great Socrates, I come to you for knowledge. And in response, Socrates, he led this young man through the streets to the sea. And he had him get into the sea, chest deep into the water. And then he asked the young man, now tell me, what is it you want? Knowledge, O wise Socrates, said the young man. And Socrates put his hands on the man's shoulders, and then he pushed him under the water. And he held him there. And seconds went by, and finally, 30 seconds later, the wise philosopher, he lifted this pupil out of the water, and he said, what is it you want? And he said, wisdom, oh great, and wise Socrates with labor breathing. And Socrates took the man again, and he held him underwater, this time longer. 30 seconds passed, and 35, 40. Finally, at 45 seconds, Socrates let him back up. And the man gasped for air. And Socrates asked him, What do you want, young man? And he labored to answer. He said, Knowledge, wise and wonder. And at this response, Socrates didn't even let him finish. He plunged him back under the water, this time for close to a minute. And as the young man came up panting for oxygen, Socrates asked him, What do you want? Air! The young man screamed. I need air. And Socrates answered, Well, when you desire wisdom, as much as you have just desired air, then you will have it. Now, we have been talking about wisdom a lot over the last few weeks as we've gone through this series in Proverbs called Wise Up. And we've been looking at wisdom that the book of Proverbs had to offer us in, in a variety of subjects. You know, things like gossip and laziness and anger and the words we use. And last week, pride. And let me just say, I know he's not up here to hear me say this because he's downstairs teaching junior church. But I appreciate Chris Keen filling in last week. And uh, one of the things he said was pride is okay when you are proud of someone else's accomplishment. And so uh, let me just say I'm proud of him and of the job that he did. But uh, we have been talking about all these different subjects and pointing to biblical wisdom concerning them. But today, as we wrap up this series, I want to ask you, how much do you actually desire wisdom? How much do you really want to be wise? You know, Socrates was saying, when you desire wisdom as much as you desire air, you will have it. Now, when you can't breathe, you know that you desire air almost with a singular focus. That's all you can think about. The other thoughts just leave your mind, and you are just intensely singular focused on air. I need air. Must get air. Now, thankfully, God has designed us to get air without much of an issue, without even having to think about it. Otherwise, that would be the overwhelming thought of all of our lives. But do we have a singular focus on getting wisdom? When we truly want something, we seek it out. We don't just wait and hope that it comes to us. So how much we seek wisdom shows how much we really want it. 
You know, it's kind of like if somebody said, I want to get in shape. Well, how much are you actually trying to get in shape? You know, how much you try for something, how much you seek for something shows how much you really want it. So the question is, do you seek wisdom or you do you just hope that it comes to you? You know, do you watch videos and, and read books and, and do you listen to things that are filled with wisdom? Do you intentionally seek it out each day by spending time in the presence of God in prayer, by heeding his voice through reading the word of God? You know, how much do we actually desire wisdom? Now, we know how much Solomon desired wisdom. Reading from 1 Kings 3, uh, starting with verse 3, it says, Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship. And the most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. That's a lot. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Now, that is a very open-ended question. And if someone asks you, I want you to think, how would you answer that? God says, I will give you one wish. What do you want? How do you answer that? There's lots of things that Solomon could have asked for there. But this is what he chose. Looking at verse 9, he said, Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? And the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, Because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice, and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you have asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have, and I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. So we see that the Lord spoke to Solomon in a dream, told him he could give him anything he wanted. And with that choice, Solomon did not choose riches or fame. You know, I, I think most people, if they were given that choice, that would have been where they go. You know, I want to be famous. I want power. I want riches. But he doesn't go any there. He says, I want wisdom and understanding. That's how much he wanted wisdom. It was tops on his priority list now because our god is a generous god and he was pleased with his answer he not only granted him wisdom but also those other things riches fame long life if you live faithfully but the question is why was god so pleased with his answer god was pleased with solomon's answer because god knows what we need to know that wisdom is more valuable than riches and fame like if you're hearing that and you're thinking, man, he made the wrong choice. I would have went with the money. You have it wrong. You don't have wisdom. And Solomon, in his wisdom, asked for more wisdom. You know, it was a wise thing to ask for. Solomon understood the value of wisdom. And so he tries to share that value of wisdom 
here in the book of Proverbs. Now, the book of Proverbs, it can actually be broken up into two different sections. Section 1 would be chapters 1 to 9, and section 2 would be chapters 10 to 31. Now, so far in this series, we have spent the overwhelming majority of our time in section two. So I'm kind of hitting the sections in reverse order. But I started with section two because all of those different things that I wanted to talk about, all the Proverbs for them are in section two. You know, whether it be gossip or anger or whatever, you know, all those things that we think of as wise Proverbs, these short sayings that make great Bible memory verses, they're all in section two. But... Uh, today, I want to go back to chapters 1 to 9, and I want us to look at them because they are all about desiring wisdom, about how much you want wisdom. And these first nine chapters, they're written like lessons from a teacher. Another way you could be imagining it is uh, like they're written as advice from a caring parent or grandparent to their child or grandchild. Proverbs, it starts in these chapters by laying out that there are basically two different paths in life. There is the road very well-traveled and the road less well-traveled. And the road very well-traveled is the road of folly. And the road that is not that well-traveled is the road of wisdom. And you need to choose which path you will go down. The path of the wise or the path of the foolish. The path of the foolish, when you look on it, it's loud, it's crowded, it seems more popular, but it is full of ignorance and it leads to destruction. The path of the wise, it's less crowded, fewer seem to take this path, but it is full of understanding and life. And to help make it obvious which of these two paths is better, Solomon, who again is writing as a carrying authority figure, a teacher or a grandpa, he paints this image of these two paths as two different women. And he says, young man, be careful which woman you choose. Now, woman number one, her name is Wisdom, and she is a lady. He calls her Lady Wisdom. She is classy. Lady Wisdom is elegant. She is wholesome and pure. And Solomon says, when you find her, you keep her. She's to be valued above riches and fame. Solomon writes in Proverbs 3.15, She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Solomon says that having lady wisdom will help lead all these other things that your heart desires to, to happen. In verse 16 and 17, he says, Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and her paths are peace. So Solomon is saying, look, you want long life, right? Well, then pursue wisdom. You want riches and honor? Pursue wisdom. You want a pleasant life? You want a peaceful life? Pursue lady wisdom. She is your best chance of having those things. Solomon says that lady wisdom is willing to share her wisdom with everyone, but then not everyone will listen. He says, Lady Wisdom is actually out on a busy street where the action is. She's calling out to the human parade. She's calling out to the rat race, and not everyone hears her. She calls out 
asking passerbys to gain insight, to seek understanding, to hear her instruction. But too many people turn a deaf ear to wisdom. We know that to be true, don't we? They ignore her. They don't stop to listen and gain understanding. And the teacher says, don't let that be you. You don't ignore wisdom. You need to value wisdom. You need to cherish and embrace wisdom. Proverbs 4.8 says, cherish wisdom and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will help lead you down that good path. Now that's lady wisdom. The other woman, she's no lady. Uh, her name is Folly. Proverbs 9.13 says, The woman Folly is loud. She is seductive and she knows nothing. So I picture wisdom is calling out in the street, but people can't hear her and perhaps they can't hear her because Folly is just calling out louder. Folly and the ways of this world, they are just drowning out wisdom. There is a lot of shouting going on in the world today. And it can be hard to hear wisdom amongst all of the shouting. With 24-hour news channels, social media platforms, the noise is never-ending. You can get fed Folly's garbage from the time that you wake up and check Facebook in the morning till the time that you turn off your TV at night. So one of the wiser things that we can do to help avoid hearing folly is to turn off the extra noise around us to limit the voices that are shouting fear and anxiety and making us think unwise and sinful things. And then it's not just enjoy the silence. We need to be intentional about seeking out wisdom in God's word. We need to make time daily to get fed from it to think about it, to apply it to our lives, and pray. This is how we avoid folly. We have to be active with it. We have to be intentional with it. Because if we do nothing to pursue wisdom, if we are not intentional, we won't find wisdom. Wisdom is not found by accident. It is sought after. Folly is the louder voice, and she is the one trying to seduce she will try to lure you in like she has lured so many others on that crowded street. But as Solomon says, she knows nothing. And if you follow her, you follow folly to your own detriment. Folly is seen as an adulterous woman. Proverbs 2.17 says she has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. In other words, she is not faithful. You cannot trust her. You cannot live a life of folly and trust that it's leading you down the right path because it will not be. Folly does not care for you. Folly does not have your best interests at heart. Folly will lead you to ruin. So obviously, it's better to hang out with Lady Wisdom and become wise than to hang out with a woman folly and become a fool. But how do we begin to find Lady Wisdom? Well, Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So it says here where knowledge and wisdom begins, and that is with the fear of the Lord. 
Now you can learn a lot of facts in school, but they don't teach wisdom there. True knowledge, true wisdom, true understanding of the world and your place in the world does not begin until you fear the Lord. Well, what does that mean anyways? Fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord is not some irrational terror that God is going to strike you with lightning whenever you mess up. Fear of the Lord is a healthy respect about the truths of who God is. Each of us is going to have to give an account of our lives to God Almighty. He is fully aware of everything that we think and everything we desire and everything that we speak and everything that we do. And nothing that you think is hidden from God, nothing that you do is hidden from God, even when you are by yourself. And so we need to have this wise understanding of who God is, that he is holy, that he is all-knowing, that he is everywhere at once, that he is the creator of the universe, and that we will all give an account to him one day. The fear of the Lord is an awareness of these truths. It is a continual mindfulness that you are always, always, always in the presence of a holy, just, almighty God. And every motive, every thought, every word, every action is on view before him and will be judged by him. And so that knowledge should make every one of us then stop, think, before we speak, before we act, and help us to think and speak and act wiser. And thus that is the beginning of true knowledge and wisdom, the fear of the Lord, the knowledge of who he is. That is the start. But how do we gain more wisdom? Well, first of all, I want you to know that more wisdom is available to all of us. You know, you don't have to have a certain IQ level. It's not like uh, some of you are just stupid and you can't get wisdom. No, more wisdom is available to all of us. So you don't have to be uh, the smartest in the class. You don't have to climb a mountain or go on some epic quest to meet some wise sage or guru in order to be granted wisdom. Wisdom is not just for the select few. It's available to all of us if we want it, and it comes from asking God. God is the source of wisdom. He gives it out. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding so you don't have to climb a mountain you don't have to seek out a socrates today and get dunked underwater no if you lack wisdom you just need to ask god and he will give it like he gave it to solomon now i ask god for wisdom a lot before meetings or when i know that i have to have a hard conversation with someone or when there are some important decisions that need to be made for our family or for the church or for our future, I stop and pray and ask God for wisdom. James 1.5 tells us, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We should all want godly wisdom. That much is obvious, and we should all seek out godly wisdom by asking God. But there's, when you really stop to think about it, there's kind of a dilemma that arises. You know, the, the wiser we become, the more we become understanding of our own folly. See, according to Proverbs, like I said at the beginning, 
The teacher's saying there's two paths you can go on. There's two ways that you can live. You know, two paths to take, the way of wisdom or the way of folly. And the problem, the dilemma is this. We're all both. We are all wise and foolish, depending on when you see us. I know you're thinking, Chris, I've, I don't ever think that you could be foolish. Well, you just see me up here. I'm, I'm foolish. No, I don't really think any of you were thinking that. But we all are wise and foolish. And so it's kind of a contradiction. You know, wisdom speaks. Proverbs 8.13, it says, I hate pride and conceit and deceitful lies. That's what wisdom hates. Wisdom hates pride, but I know that there are times when I'm not humble. I am proud. There are times when I am not wise in holding my tongue. There are times when I am not wise in controlling my anger. Depending on when you are watching me, I am both wise and foolish. And so are you. We all know being wise is better, but I have never mastered being wise all the time. None of us have. Even Solomon, who spoke 3,000 proverbs, gave us biblical books on wisdom. He could describe God's wisdom, but he could not master living out a life led by God's wisdom. He was both foolish and wise. He had asked the Lord for wisdom, and the Lord gave it to him, but he ignored God's commands against marrying foreigners. He sought earthly wisdom instead that said, you know, if you marry those women from other lands, you can make deals with those countries and kind of expand your kingdom. And so driven by worldly wisdom and also just driven by lust, but not by godly wisdom, Solomon ends up marrying 700 wives and having 300 concubines. To put that in perspective... That is so many wives and concubines that if he saw a different one each day, it would be over two and a half years before he ever saw the first one again. He married some of them from among idol-worshipping nations. And these wives turned him away from the Lord and from wisdom. And the Bible tells us that he did what was wrong in the eyes of the Lord. He built temples for these foreign gods. And not only that, he worshipped them himself. Solomon forgot to live out the wisdom that he had written. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. He forgot that because he went away from God's commands. Not only in marrying foreigners that didn't worship the same God as him, but also in turning away from God and worshipping those false gods himself. So even Solomon, with all his God-given wisdom, was both foolish and wise. We all know that wisdom is better than foolishness. And yet we all struggle because we are all both. There's a tension there. There's a dilemma there. And so it's important for us to remember that Proverbs is part of a larger story. The story. And it's heading somewhere, and so this tension is going to be resolved. This tension, it starts with people reading Proverbs and realizing, wait, I need to be wise, but I am not always wise. 
and they realize that wisdom is godly and it comes from God and maybe they start to wonder, God, am, am I in a right relationship with you? Because I'm wise and foolish. And if they start thinking, well, you know what? I guess the wiser I become, the more God loves me. Well, then no, they've gotten the wrong message from Proverbs. God's not going to love you more because you're wiser. And misunderstanding that would lead to a lifetime of legalism and pride. Instead, as we realize that we struggle to be wise all the time, we need to also realize that it's it's worse than that. We struggle to be godly in many other ways all the time, too. I don't just struggle with being wise all the time. I struggle to be loving all the time. I struggle to be patient all the time. I struggle to practice self-control all the time. This struggle to be better goes beyond just wisdom. As we realize this, it's, it's humbling. But then we need to realize that Solomon's Proverbs are not the last words on wisdom in the Bible. When Proverbs is being written, there is one that is greater than even Solomon. There is a greater wisdom still to come. And that was Jesus Christ. In Matthew 12, 42, Jesus says of himself, Behold, one greater than Solomon is here. I asked you at the beginning, how much do you want wisdom? And we talked about how if you want wisdom, really you'll seek it out. Seeking it starts with God because wisdom comes from God. It starts with God. Now you need to know it not only starts with God, it also ends with God. It ends with God the Son, Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.24, it says, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God of God. See, God knew that we were going to fall short. He knew that we weren't always going to be wise or loving or practice self-control. He knew that we would sin and that we would need a savior to pay the penalty for those sins. And so God, in his wisdom, sent his son Jesus, the fullness of the wisdom of God, to earth, not only to be a great teacher, but to be our savior. Because we didn't just need a great teacher, we needed a savior. The problem is, we can't be wise all the time or loving all the time. We fall short. The solution is Jesus. When we act a fool, follow folly, and sin, and fall short before God, we can rest in confidence knowing that our sin has been covered through the blood of Jesus. That is not saying don't try to be wise. That is saying don't fear when you mess up. Instead, trust in Jesus. As we come to our time of invitation today, we wrap up this series on wisdom. I want you to know that the wisest decision that any of us will ever make is to accept the grace and the forgiveness that is offered to us by God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's the wisest decision we'll ever make because that alone is the decision that affects your eternity. And just like godly wisdom is available to all who seek God, forgiveness through Jesus Christ is also available to all who
who ask. If you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior and receive that forgiveness, please come and talk to me and make the wisest decision you'll ever make as we stand and sing our closing song soon and very soon.